0: going to go to God in prayer, then we're going to start our time. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for allowing us to be here, and I pray that you will help us to have an inspiring, encouraging uh, time tonight, that you continue to help us to grow in every aspect of our lives. We love you and thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're coming in, there's two sheets of paper that's coming around. One is, has a couple of cartoon people on it, and the other is the outline that we're going to talk about here tonight. So, we're going to talk about parenting. Tonight, different aspects, different styles of parenting, and then look at the, the biblical sense of parenting and what we can do to make our parenting more biblical face oriented. So, if you notice uh, on the uh, the cartoonist stuff we gave, there's four different types of styles of parenting that we're going to talk about tonight, and there's obviously thousands of different styles of parents, but We're just gonna specifically deal with four tonight. Now again, one of these four may be you or may not be, I don't know, That's, that's not the point. But the point is, this is how we can help each other. Now, with a room like this, people may have kids at different stages. Babies, middle school, tweens, teens, college, empty nesters, whatever it may be. But the thing to remember is that we all need to learn and grow Because, as we're going to look at in our lesson, it's not just for us, but it's also for us to share with other people different things that we're learning. So even if something we're talking about specifically doesn't fit your stage right now, you still need to remember Because there's somebody else, maybe even in the church, that needs to learn and that we need to start helping each other out with. So there's four different stages. Authoritative, authoritarian, permissive, and then a neglecting. And if you look at, it, I'm on the front page right here. There's two ladies talking. And the mom is asking, "Are your grades good? What are your grades like?" I guess you can say that they're okay. I have three B's, two C's, and one D. Okay, what's okay? B's, C's. You better get into your room and study. You're grounded till you get that C's and D's up, young lady. Instead of looking at that, she just focused on what wasn't good, and that's the only thing she harped on. You look at the bottom part, Billy, it's time for dinner now. All of a sudden, mom runs in there, I said now, grabs them up, takes them out there. You know, it's those times that I've been cooking all day, you better get in here and eat this food, boy. I mean, you can just tell there's a lot of tension there. On the back, it's called free-range parenting. Older kind of parents, oh, go have fun, no one wants to kidnap you, just go do whatever you want to do. You know, sometimes they can have parenting that we're just not even aware of what's going on with the kids. And then at the grocery store at the bottom, okay, let's go home. Little kids, no, you're mean. I'm not leaving. And then he just gets embarrassed. Oh, my son is so funny. We can stay. And the kid is just tearing up stuff. You know, there's all different stages and types of parenting. So this is what I want to talk to us about tonight. And so what you have is the outline. You can keep it if you don't have one and you need another one. I can even email them or whatever, but we should have enough. Uh, I have some more outlines up here in case you didn't get one. Uh, we have outlines. So I'm going to talk about some stuff that's not on the outline. So if you just want to read through the outline, you're probably going to miss something too, though. But that's, that's pretty much the heart of what I want to talk about. Now, for me, in talking about parenting, I know a lot of times when we get together, I do like to talk about my kids. I do like to say, you know, my daughter, she speaks French and Spanish. And, you know, my other daughter dancing professionally in ballet. And and I talk about all these kind of things because you want to feel good about your kids. And I want people to think I'm just killing this parenting thing. Uh, But then there's times I get in the car or I'm sitting at home and I'm kind of just being still. And my whole focus changes. And it's not so much what are they doing, But now I'm just thinking, you know what? I just want my kids to be faithful. I just want them to just be faithful to God, faithful to their friends, faithful when they get married, just to be faithful and make it through. And there's those times, and I believe that's why the Bible says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Because we all need to have some sobering times and just think about what is really my focus in helping my kids. You know, the stuff that makes them successful doesn't make them faithful. And that's something for us to think about because it's not wrong to be athletic. It's not wrong to have artistic skills or musical talent. Those things aren't wrong. But yet, they can be futile if they're not connected with the real root source of what they can be used for. And so, again, I'm not trying to discourage sports or athletics, but we still got to make sure they're grounded in the truth of God's Word. So again, why do we do this? Because it says in Galatians 6, 2, we need to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So maybe what we're talking about here, we're going to talk about different stages. And you may be in one stage and we're talking about three other stages. Don't ignore it because honestly, what we've got to start doing again, brothers and sisters, friends, we got to start helping each other in their parenting. There's things we got to do too many times we are kind of hands off and we see things and we don't say anything. But we gotta start helping each other. That's the only way we're gonna make this happen. And one, we gotta allow people to talk to us about our kids. Uh, I had a friend before he moved here, one of our good friends, and my kids was, my youngest kid was running out of the hallway. And he came up and said, well, your daughter's out there running out of the hallway. why didn't you say something to her? I mean, why'd you come in here and tell me? Stop her, snatch her up, pull her aside, talk to her. And she's like, well, I, I didn't know if you wanted me to. What do you mean? You're my friend, you're my brother in Christ. You need to help me raise my kids. And this is the, this needs to be our attitude. We need to allow people to give us input, to correct us. But they also got to feel like they can. And I was talking to them, like, after all we've been through, my kids are like your kids. We need to be family. So if you see something going on with my kids... You need to talk to everybody. And I said that to you guys here today. Just because I'm a preacher, that doesn't mean nothing. If my kids act up, it's more important for me that they make it to heaven than the fact that I'm the preacher. Amen. I don't care. I don't need to be a preacher. Learn my kids can make it to heaven. So we need to help each other in our parenting. And this is something that's very important. So in First Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, it says, For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting. And urging you to live lives worthy of God. We need to look at this. I want to talk about the first point is this. We need to have a clear objective in our parenting. And the objective, number one, is this. That our kids live a life that's worthy of God. It is so important for us to have a clear objective. What What are we doing with our parents? Because you know, when those kids are first born... And we look at them, them pretty little things, and we try to, we get into arguments of who they look like. They got my eyes, they got my nose, they got this. We just start getting all into it over the little babies. And then they start growing up, and they go from being so cute looking like me, to that's your kid. <laughs> What's wrong with your son? Where's your daughter? You know, husband and wife talking about they belong to the other one, or when they acting bad, or when they acting good. Oh, they're my kids. Are oh, y'all looking at me like y'all know somebody. Y'all all know. Yeah, I'm that's true. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, It should be on your paper there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you get up. Our primary purpose in parenting has to do with our children's relationship with God. This is what we need to focus on. You know. After every lesson, whether it's church, whether we have a seminar, whatever it is, I'm in the car riding home with the kids, and I always say, What'd you get out of the lesson? And we go around, everybody, What'd you get out of the lesson? What'd you get out of the lesson? They even ask me, What'd you get out of the lesson? You preached it, but what'd you get out of it? How did it change you? I'm like, Okay, calm down. But we just have that open dialogue. And it's interesting because sometimes we have other kids with us, other members' kids with us, and they may go to hang out or whatever. And so as soon as we get in the car, my kids will say, Okay, what'd you get out of the lesson? And they're looking like, what? And that just shows, you know what? We've got to start talking about these things with our kids to find out what did you get? Even if they're not in here and they're in Kids' Kingdom, well, what did you get out of your class in Kids' Kingdom? we got to start having these kind of conversations with our kids. It is so important for us to realize that is the key in what they're doing. Because sometimes they come back with some deep stuff. Some lessons, I wasn't even thinking about that. And they come out with some stuff. I'm like, I'm going to use that one next time I'm preach. But we got to make sure we're really focused on those things. Now, again, there's different types and styles of parenting. So I'm not trying to conform us all to one. Because each kid is different. Now, my kids look alike, but they are totally different. When Lily was growing up, I used to spike that girl. Man, I can't tell you how many times. But when I did, she acted right. Now Grace, on the other hand, when I would spike her, she would just look at me. I remember I spiked her one time, and she looked at me and said, "That didn't even hurt." I was hot. I was like, oh, "I can't do nothing else right now. I'm just too bad." And she don't want to spike out of anger. But as a young child, she had so many surgeries and went through so much that she was just kind of different towards pain, kind of numb towards pain. So spanking her didn't do nothing. So we started putting her in timeout. And I thought, timeout, that's just for like television. That ain't like real. But we put her in timeout, and she hated being alone. She didn't want to sit in that room alone. And she was crying, and she totally changed just from being in timeout. And so I look at my kids. One, needed her butt. Well, the other one just needed to be in timeout. You got to look and see, each kid is going to be different. So there are different styles. But as you go through, one style you use for some kid may need to change even as they get older and what's going on. So we have to actually think and evaluate, what is my style of parenting? What kind of style do I have? Now, in thinking about this, there's going to be issues for the parents. The first thing, three things in, in regards to parenting when it comes to what style of parenting. The first one, the parents must be united on how they will parent and then do it. In other words, mom and dad come from different backgrounds. We all come from different backgrounds. Even if you're the same nationality or race, you had a different household. It's different. But you have to come together on this is how we are going to parent. Now, I say this because even here, there's a lot of couples that don't have the same mindset when it comes to parents. I understand that. I grew up... My mom whooped us all the time. I mean, shoes, belts, boxes of cereal, whatever she can get her hands on, we were getting it with that. Now, my wife, on the other hand, they just had conversations with each other. And I tell her, that's why your family's so bad. But I just say, they just talked it all through. Now, I'm like, I ain't got time to be talking to them. We gotta take care of this stuff. So we had to come to an agreement on, okay, well, how are we going to parent? And we have to have conversation after conversation about this. Because there were even times when one of my kids would do something and she'd say, just wait till your dad get home. Now there's a point for that, but if I'm not there and they acting a fool, you need to deal with it right then and there. It's not about wait for dad to get home. You need to deal with it. And this was something that we had to go over and over with because we had to make a mutual agreement on this is how we are going to parent. And you know, as the kids started getting older, they start playing on each other. You know, a well, mom said this, or a dad said that. So we just start saying, you know what? I don't know. We have to wait, and me and Mama will talk about it, and then we'll get back with you. We had to come together so they knew what was going on. Now, I'm saying this, and many of you guys know this, but just as it says in James chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, do what it says. A lot of times we get a lot of information, but we don't actually practice it when we get home. You gotta make a decision. I need to have conversation about how we're going to discipline, encourage, inspire our kids, and then we have to do it. My wife was not a spanker, I said, if that's the case, then all of a sudden when it comes time to do it, and I start spanking them, I don't need to look over there and tears coming out your eyes. We need to make sure that I'm spanking her on behalf of us, <laughs> us together doing this. But even that was hard for her to watch. Oh, my little baby! You know? No. No, no, no. That's not what's going to happen here. So, you got to make sure, are you in unison? Are you unified in how you will parent your children? That's a very important thing. And when I say that, it's not just, okay, the husband's going to tell the wife how we're going to do it. I had to pull back a lot in parenting. And I think that's why God didn't give me a boy. He gave me two girls. That's a whole other conversation there. But I had to learn to be a little softer and have more conversations. See, I just wanted to kind of discipline, and then you go on about your business. But I had to learn, let me discipline, make sure I'm explaining why they're getting disciplined, and then talk about it. Still going to happen, but just make sure we have that conversations too. So both of us had to change something in order to parent so let's talk about some different styles of parenting. The first one is authoritative. Parents that have high expectations for their children but temper these expectations with, an under, with understanding and support for their children as well. So it's not wrong to have expectations. You've got to have expectations. But you also need to support them. Children's Day may have a structure to it, plan. Uh, you know, this is your bedtime. These are your household chores. These are things that are going to be lined up. And if you don't do that, there are consequences to what's going to happen, so you need to do what's expected, or there's a consequence to it. The key thing with this is, does your child feel that they can talk to you about anything without fear of negative or harsh judgment? See, we can be authoritative and talking and giving instruction and making sure we have a, a a good system of doing things, but we can't get so caught up in the system that we aren't connecting with our kids at the same time. So we got to make sure we're having this. This was something that I had and I still have to grow a lot in because with two daughters, they like to talk. Man, my girls like to talk a lot. And I don't like to have a whole lot of conversation. You tell me the facts of what I need to know and then let's just move on with life. But I had to learn, okay, I have to listen and sometimes I was listening, they knew I wasn't there. I was like playing football somewhere or watching a game in my mind. Because I'm looking at them and I'm like, but I had to learn to actually engage in the conversation. And it's still something that I'm working on, but it's something that they know when I'm engaged and when I'm not. But sometimes it was just from my background of being authoritative that, okay, this is how we're going to do it. But you know what? I had to learn. I got to also empathize. I got to also have conversation with them. Second one is a neglectful kind of parenting. And this kind of parenting is unlike the other styles in that the parents often go to this style of parenting in response to their child's behavior. In other words, the kids are, are doing something that they shouldn't be doing, and so we just get frustrated with them and just, you know, just go on. Just go on, Get away. Go, go, go. And we start to neglect our roles as parents. And it's important that we don't. Honestly, there are times even in our church that I see some kids running around and the parents are over in the corner having great fellowship. you got to know what your kids are doing. If that's the case, turn your body so you can see out your peripheral vision what's going on with your kids. We can't just come and because we're in the fellowship neglect what our kids are doing and what's going on with them. We've got to make sure we are on top of what's going on. Now, I'm not saying, you know, be hitting her all over the kids and this, this, and that, but we've got to make sure, okay, Our kids are representing not just us, but our church, the kingdom. How are they impacting other kids? I mean, I've been in kids' kingdom classes, not here, but other ones, and the visitors' kids were more behaved than the kingdom kids. And I'm sitting here like, what kind of example is this? And so we've got to look at this. I have conversations with my kid, even though she's a freshman in college. Before we go somewhere, i say, okay, we're going to so-and-so's house. This is their name. You need to look at them in the face, say hi, give them a hug. You need to act right. Yeah, we know, Dad. We go through this all the time. Just checking. (laughs) You know, you just got to have these conversations. Even before we go to church, even moving here, this was huge, okay? It's going to be a whole lot different in Kansas. Trust me, it ain't going to even look like Kansas when we get here. So you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to be different in what you're doing. Oh, we're good, we're good. But it's a good thing. We know we moved 17 times in four years. So my kids have learned to move and deal with it, but it's something that's helped them to grow in their character. But we still have conversations about these things. The third way, I'm not going through every one of these bullet points because you already got it, but the third way is the permissive style, also known as indulgent parenting. And this is a harmful style. Do you guys have these? Are y'all even know? Okay. Some people just walk in and make sure you have them. A permissive style of parenting is the kind of parenting that pretty much avoids confrontation. A style of parenting that really, um, even though they may have rules, they don't really exist. You know, it's kind of like freebird, you know, freestyle, and uh, I just want you to learn on your own and just grow with them. Seriously, the permissive kind of parenting is something that really does a lot more damage Because the kids don't really have a a foundation of trust in the household. So then they start to experiment in other kind of ways. Permissive is a kind of parenting that desires to be more of a peer and a friend than a parent. Every kid desires to have a parent. They desire to have structure in their life. Even though they fight against it, this is something that they need. That's why the Bible even says you instruct a kid in the way they should go, And even if they stray away, they will come back to it because they know this is how it should be. In a study published in the Scientific Journal of Early Adolescence, it was found that teens with permissive parents are three times more likely to engage in heavy drug and alcohol consumption. This is likely due to their lack of consequences from their behavior. It is so important that we're not just being our children's buddies but that we're be the mom and dad that they need. And then the fourth one is authoritarian, also called the strict parenting. This is characterized by parents who are demanding but not responsible. They allow for little dialogue between the parent and child and expect the child to follow a strict set of rules no matter what. Parents are often explanation for rules is because I said so. These are parents that give very few choices on the child's decisions in life and the parent utilizes punishment as means of getting their child to do what is right. This is not a good way to do it. You have these. If you don't do this, then you're not going to get to go over to little Jamal's house. Seriously, we can't threaten kids into being obedient. But sometimes that's the, the authoritarian attitude about it. So these are some different styles of parents. There's a whole bunch of styles. You got to understand what I'm saying. But these are some that I think we need to look at and make sure we're not falling into this kind of trap. So now, the biblical concepts here. If, if we were authoritative parents, how do we overcome that? Well, Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We have to understand what we say, first of all, to our spouses, or other kids, they're always listening. They're always trying to find out what's going on. It's important for us that we are saying things that are not just building them up, but even those around us. Again, in my family, we never said, I love you. It was just understood mentally that we all loved each other. It was eight of us. If one of them got into a fight, everybody was getting into a fight. I mean, that's how we showed our love. You jump on one, you jump jumping on all eight, and that's just how it was. My brothers and sisters, I mean, they fought with chains, trash can lids. I mean, it was like gladiating. I mean, it was like seriously intense stuff within the family. But we knew we loved each other. So then I come into the church, and my first time in church, some guy came up and tried to hug me. I almost punched him in the face. I don't know you, dude. You can't just come up and start hugging on me, a man with another man. I mean, I was just like, that's just not how it's going to work. So I had to learn, okay... This is a friendly church. It ain't that kind of friendly, but it's a friendly church. And these are things that I had to learn to change about who I am. But it's important that we understand. We need to understand it's important to talk to our kids with encouraging words. Doesn't mean we can't be firm, but we got to remember they're listening to everything we say. If we were neglecting parents, not really paying attention, Psalms 119, verse 16. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. There's so many things in the Bible that teaches us and talks to us about parenting. It's important that we don't just read something and think we're all good, but that we put it into practice, the things that we're talking about. If we were a permissive parenting, Hebrews twelve eleven. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I don't know how it is. I don't know, again, in your life, but if you have a a fear or a sense of don't really want to discipline your child, that's unbiblical. We need to discipline them. I'm not saying every kid needs a spanking for everything they do. That's not what I'm saying. But we still can discipline our kids without it being something like that. But if we don't discipline them, then we're not doing what God calls for us to do because he's calling us to discipline our kids. Even though we may not feel good about it at the time because, oh, I love these little kids. When they're teenagers, that all changes. But anyway, what if we're authoritarian parents? Ephesians 6-4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So these are some things that that are very good for us to understand and think about in those styles. Now, I was a youth minister pretty much for 20 years. I mean, even when I was leading churches, I led the youth and family ministry. On and on and on. So from my early stages, 26, 27 years ago in the ministry, I started out in the teens. So from that time all the way up until now, I've been looking at things, I've been thinking about things, been running youth camps, and there's a lot of things I see in the teenagers that I want to share with you my thoughts when it comes to church parenting. And I say this because I always go to camps, because when I go to camps, I find out everything that's happening in people's lives. Because those kids get down there without any parents around and they let you know everything that's going on. Trust me. Sometimes I know a little too much. I don't want to know about that. But, observation on church kids' parents. Number one, don't hand your child's faith over to the youth leaders. So important. Deuteronomy 4.9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you, you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to the children after them. You know what this says? It says we need to teach our kids and your grandkids. So teach your kids and the children, their kids, after them. It doesn't stop just because our kids are out the house. Even if you have grandkids, you may be a grandparent in here, you still got to teach those kids the way of God. But oftentimes people leave it up to the youth family, youth and family leaders, mentors, workers, to help their kids become Christians. Each parent is the most important role model in that kid's life in order for them to become a Christian. It doesn't matter who the youth and family is. I love James and Nina, I have nothing against them at all. But they're not going to save your kid. Because they don't know what's going on in your house behind closed doors. They don't see that. They can be the best example in the world, but then to go home, if we're not that kind of example, our kids are never going to make it. So we've got to realize youth and family workers, our team ministry, our kids kingdom, that's a tool to help us. But that is not it. This is why it's so important for us to do different things with our kids. Number two, your child needs to care needs you to care as much about their struggles as you do their salvation. Philippians 2, four. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I say this because sometimes parents are more concerned with getting their kids baptized than what their kids are going through. And the kids are thinking, is that all you care about? Is that I get baptized? Do you not care that I'm, that I'm struggling with this right now, that I'm having a hard time with my friends? Before we moved here, my oldest daughter, Lily, was shield was a senior. They had three suicides in their school. Twenty-seven cases of tuberculosis. They got locked down three times, and the FBI was there because a the guy brought a gun. He was going to kill all the minorities. And this is in the top school in Kansas. Half of that didn't even get on the news because they had that much money that they were able to keep it off the news. And I'm not talking about just suicide. I mean, a girl jumped in front of a train. One of them hung herself. One of them shot herself in the, through the mouth. I mean, drastic stuff. 27 cases of tuberculosis because they don't believe in immunizing down there. and You can't make them immunize. And so cases just busted out all over the place. You know, we had to talk her through these things. It wasn't just, you need to get baptized. I mean, we just slowed everything down and said, listen, you got to make sure you are doing okay. It is so important for us to take an interest in our kids and not just getting them in the waters of baptism. My youngest daughter, Grace, just last week at her high school, two 16-year-olds got into a fight. One sprayed mace in her face, the other girl pulled out a knife, stabbed her, and killed her at lunchtime. I'm just like, that's how it is, babe. You're in ninth grade, and one of your friends that you know just got killed at lunch in school. This is why it's important for you to hang out with the right people. We had to talk her through it. I was proud of her because we, we got the news, we came home, and she's at home with one of her friends from school sitting down talking to her. The other girl sitting there crying because of her, her different family situations. And I'm like, man, I came home to try to rescue my kid, and she already trying to rescue somebody else. Amen. I mean, that was encouraging, but when, when that girl left, we still had to talk to her. I mean, we actually held her out of school the next day because she was just so distraught because she was just hanging out with the girl, and now she's dead and the other one's going to prison. See, we've got to talk to our kid. There is so much drama in the kid's life. We can have a whole month. One day for them is like a whole month for us. <laughs> They're emotional up and down. It is so important that you are talking and making sure you know who your kid's friends are, you know who their teachers are, you know what's going on with them. I got We all share that little family plan on the phone, and anything they download, it has to get approved on my phone first. I know what apps they're getting. I know all that stuff. Now, in Kansas City, as I was leading the church, I worked with the FBI uh, just in the human trafficking division. And Kansas City is number two in the nation in human trafficking. Because in Kansas City, you have eight different highways that goes to different states. So if you caught somebody there, you could be across the border in two minutes, state line. Two minutes. It's just that quick. And then there's nothing they can do. And so it, it is huge, huge industry. And that's why in Kansas City used to be a heavy mafia city, but it's basically almost gone now because of all the, now you got the casinos and now you got all the human trafficking. So they, even the mafia couldn't even keep up with all the sin that was going on. And so it basically has disbanded in many ways in Kansas City. But looking at that, thinking about that, I said, you know what? I'm getting little trackers for my kids. I'm going to know where they are. They think they just got a little bracelet. It's more than a little bracelet. That's more than a little necklace. You don't know, but I know where you are at all times. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about these things, and it's just, it's overwhelming sometimes. But if you don't know what's going on with your kids, you are missing out on a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying let's not save their soul. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we can't come across as if that's more important than what's going on in your life right now. That's what we all need to remember. Well, hopefully, all of them we remember, but that one is special. Number three, your child needs you to answer the questions they are asking. Proverbs 15, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they will succeed. You know, with today's technology, these kids get all kinds of information, good and bad. And if we don't take the time to answer their questions, the world will answer it for them. I came home yesterday, and my daughter said, Who's Kip McKean? And I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. I said, that's a long story. She said, I got time. I'm out of school until January. <laughs> I know, i was like through a January 21st or something like that. I'm like, okay. So we we sat down and we had a long conversation about it. She's like, isn't that the guy that you tried to punch before? I said, yeah, but well, let's not bring that up. This is blue on. I'll tell you about that story later. <laughs> but it's just like, I had to sit down and have a conversation with her about these very things. And you know what? When we got done, I was talking to Lauren. I was like, you know what? If we didn't have that conversation, how would she have walked away? What would she have been thinking? What would have been going on in her mind? But for me, just to take what I thought was going to be a 10-minute conversation, for me to take that hour and 45 minutes, <laughs> it was well worth it later on because there's no telling where that would have went to. Fourth, your children need to see God as more than rules and church attendance. Need to see God as more than rules and church attendance. Now this is coming from the preacher, so you got to know this is important. Acts 11 verse 25, 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul a member of the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Why were they called Christians? Because they saw their lifestyle. They saw how they were living. They didn't see them just sitting in the temple. They didn't just see them at the synagogue. They saw how they were living and said they follow Christ. It is more important for our kids to see Christ in us than for us to be attending church. Because we don't want to make them religious. We want to help them be like Jesus. And that is so important. So they need to see us sharing our faith. They need to see us having people in our homes. They need to see us fellowshipping with people. Again, I, I would, we would teach our daughter how to fellowship. You come stand right next to me as I talk to this guy. And go up and give him a hug, and we're talking about things. We'd have these kind of conversations. We teach them also, don't talk to strangers. Just because they say something, that doesn't mean anything. When we moved to Kansas City, I had this guy, really big dude. He was like 6'6", 300-something pounds. And I knew him from different things. I said, I want you to go up to my daughter and say, hey, I go to your church. Your dad told me to pick you up and take you home and see what she'd do. And so he drove up there in the car and said, "Hey, I know your dad. His name is uh, Maurice Sisman. He told me to take you on home." And she looked at him and just took off. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. You <laughs> know, don't fall for that. It's important that we're teaching our kids different things. Now later on, I had him introduce him, and I walked up with him. He is okay. So everything worked out good. But we got to teach them not just church stuff, but how to survive in the world. Yes. When it comes to different things, and all this comes down to us having some deep conversation. And as, and as a guy, trust me, this is something that we've got to take to another level. Like I say, having two girls, I, I remember first time going into Walmart what Walmart? It was like a deli. Y'all have a store here in, in another state, and uh, she called me up because she needed some some feminine stuff, and I'm sitting there like, oh shoot. I don't know what that stuff looked like. What am I supposed to do? And so she starts describing it to me on speakerphone. And I'm just sitting <laughs> there like, oh, man. And then, you know, you got to get it and slice it. Anyway, it was traumatic for me, but for her, it was hilarious. But we have those conversations. I'm like, where is your mama when I need her? But she wasn't even home. And so I'm the one that's doing these things. And then she said, Dad, just stop acting weird. Just, just sit down and talk about it. I'm like... Okay, you 13 gonna tell me about the birds and the bees. That's fine, let's have a conversation. So she just started talking to me about stuff and then she went into different things. But it was an interesting conversation, but it was one that was needed. Not just for her sake, but more for me, learning how to even connect with my daughter. And this was something that as a guy, I could never see myself doing, but then I realized I gotta be the kind of person that she needs to see. That's the kind of husband I need to have in the future. If I don't treat her the way she needs to be treated now, she's not going to know who she should marry or what kind of man she should marry. So the way she sees me treat her and my wife shows her what a husband should be like. So I say that because it's important for every man in here that you are treating your wife the way God wants you to. Because it's going to trickle down to who your daughter ends up with. And I want her to end up with a man of God. I do not feel like doing fifteen in life. I want to be righteous. And then fifth and final, they need to live in a spiritual home. Proverbs fourteen twenty six. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. Having people in your home. Listen, it's never too early to start training your kids. And it's never too late. Even as babies, we need to sing them songs, Christian songs. Then they're just going to look at you and smile and draw totally fine. They're going to think you're the best singer in the world. You Bruno Mars or them. But you just sing the songs to them. Even when they get a little older, read some stories. Even if they can't understand it, just read the stories with them. We need to look at what it says in Proverbs 20:11. Even a child is known by his actions. Whether his conduct is pure and right. Even a child, at a young age, a child age, you can look at that child and see, okay, what is their conduct like? All that comes from whether they've been trained like at home. Now, we easily see this and we say, you know, a person isn't born president they're taught that at home. Absolutely. But they also aren't born spiritual, they're taught that at home. So we gotta look at ourselves and see, man, is my child being raised in a spiritual household? Even when they're tweens, we got to look and see, okay, this is a good time to do character studies. Those character studies are in the back of that that, that, uh, binder that we handed out. Those character studies are great to do. Again, I do them with adults too, but those character studies will help your kids. They don't convert them, but they just help them be prepared in the future for actually studying the Bible. And then even when they're teenagers, we need to do character studies with them, and then have spiritual peers, spiritual partners for them. Now again, this goes back, we can't wait for James and Menna to do everything for us. Again, I love them, but we gotta find people that we feel like are doing well spiritually and invite them into our homes to be with us and our kids. Everywhere we go, we look for some lady, some young girl that could be a great example for our daughter. We have them over, we, they eat dinner with us, they hang out, they take the kids out, I'll give them money to go to movies just so they can talk, do whatever. I'll make sure they, they have dates. I'm calling brothers, hey, you need to take this sister out. I'll give you money, do whatever. I want to make sure they're taken care of because they're taking care of my kids. It is so important for us to find somebody to help us invest in our kids at an early stage. Sometimes we overlook that and we think, oh, it'll just happen, it won't just happen. Things don't just happen for the best unless we do something to initiate it. I really want to encourage us to look at these things. Now, let me see what time it is. It's 8.20, we're gonna be 9 by 8.30, so we got nine minutes. What I want you to do is to talk with, if you're, if your spouse is here, you can talk with them. If you're not, just get with somebody else whose spouse isn't here. Or don't have a spouse and just talk about this talk about what kind of parenting style do you have it may be one of these four it may not be i'm not saying you got to put yourself in one of these places but i don't want to just have a lesson then we walk away and it's over with we need to have some dialogue about this now i don't want parents don't start arguing. This is not marriage counseling night. If you need to talk, we can talk later, but just have some conversation. What is your parenting style? If you got a kid here with you, let your kid tell you what your parenting style is. <laughs> that not be good. But have some conversation. Whenever you're done with the with your conversation, then we are dismissed. But use this time just to have some talk about it. What is our parenting style or what can we do? What style do we want to have? Amen? I'm going to pray for us, and then let's have a discussion, and then we'll be dismissed. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time that you allowed us to be here. And I do pray, God, that you help us to walk away different people, different people for you, and help us to raise these kids in this dark world in a, with a shining light for them to see the truth. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.